Welcome to the Freedom Fellowship Church Podcast, located in Canyon, Texas. We hope you are encouraged by this message today. So this morning, we're going to talk about the gospel. The gospel. And many of us, many of us, we've heard it sometimes. We hear it over a thousand times. Uh, but, but I think sometimes when we hear it, over and over, it can, it can almost land on deaf ears. We're like, ah, that's the gospel. Like, tell me something new. Uh, but the reality is, is the gospel is extremely valuable and important to, to us as Christians. And it never gets old if you're a Christ follower. Um, and so today, what I hope happens is as, as you hear the gospel once again, I hope that it, that it causes, a, causes you to have a thankful heart. And I hope that it causes you to have a great love for Jesus. Maybe every once in a while, I don't, I don't know what it is, I just get overwhelmed by the gospel. How many of you, I mean, you've, you've probably been Christians for much longer than I, I'm not saying you're old. Joe's giving me a look. I always get in trouble with these old jokes. I don't make them anymore. But, but how many of you, you've been Christians for a long time, and every once in a while, you hear the gospel, and it just hits home once again. Because you have this realization of, wow, I was really messed up. And, and Christ, I can't believe he would sacrifice for me to rescue me. And everyone, I'd say it's once or twice a year that hits me, and I just weep before the Lord. And it, I think that happened at Vision Retreat. And it, it stirred something in me that just wanted to talk about the gospel once again to the church. And so I had this, this week the privilege to meet with Sue Hare. She's one of my favorite ladies uh, in this church. And Sue... She's like a spiritual mother, I would say to me. Um, I love this woman. And uh, she was telling me this story about this college girl that she mentors, she gets to meet with. And Sue said, you know, this girl is on fire for Jesus right now. I mean, she loves God. She's in her word. She's diving deep. But she came to Sue and she said, you know, Sue, if I had to tell someone the gospel, I don't know if I could explain it. I don't know if I could look at my neighbor and preach the gospel to them. But this girl, remember, she's in love with Jesus. And I've been in that place before where, where God, he was doing something here, but I couldn't explain it. And I, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think. If I asked you right now to turn to the person sitting beside you and to, to answer the question, what is the gospel, what would you say? What, what scriptures would you use? Where would you start? Where would you end? What would you tell them? And so, so take 30 seconds. Take a minute. What in the world would you say if I asked you this? And you don't actually have to tell your neighbor. Just think about it. I hope you've thought of some good things. Maybe you can share them at the chili cook-off with your neighbor. Don't share them right now. Uh, but that'd be great. I mean, really, there's, I'm sure that 
that everyone thinks of different verses that they would turn to. Uh, But this morning, I want to start in Romans chapter 1. And when I was planning this message, I thought, man, this this could almost be called the gospel explained through Romans. And then as I got going and I met with Sue, it became the gospel explained through Genesis. And so I'm excited about this message. And I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. And I believe I'll have a verse in the NIV, but it'll, it'll say if it is. So Romans 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. Now, there's a few things that we need to note that that Paul, he says he's set apart for the gospel of God, this thing called the gospel of God, this good news that God has made. Okay, great. But, But he says something about this gospel. He says this gospel of God, it was promised a long time ago. This thing called the gospel, it was promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. See, at the time, Paul would have been reading the Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament. He wrote like half of it. So he's, he's, he's reading the New Testament or the Old Testament, and he's seeing, I see this gospel. And, and, and I love how it says, concerning his son. This gospel, even in the Old Testament, it had something to do with an offspring or with the son of God, all the way back in the Old Testament. And so if we're going to understand the gospel, the full story, we're going to start at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, but before we do, here's, here's an example on why I think it's very important for us to see the full picture. One time, me and Aiden were watching Lord of the Rings, me and Aiden Corley. Mackenzie was there. I I won't say she was watching it. She can't look at it. She's like, I can't plead my case right now. So we're about 30 minutes into this movie. Me and Aiden had never seen it. We're like, dude, this is awesome. And uh, Mackenzie, she's been on her phone for the first 30 minutes of the movie. She looks up. She probably watches five minutes of this movie. And you know what she says? She says, I don't like this movie. And I'm like, you have... You haven't watched a single, like, five minutes. You missed the whole opening scene. And she was like, yeah, but I don't like it. And I was like, you can't even say that. And we went back and forth, and I'm sure she would plead her case if she had the mic, but she doesn't. So, But, but I remember thinking, how could you even say that? But I, but I think that could be fair with Christians. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't really care about this Jesus guy. It doesn't make sense. Well, where did you start? Matthew 1? Like, did you open the Bible to the New Testament and read a genealogy? Yeah, that'd probably be extremely confusing. I would be confused as well, and I don't think I would like it. But, but maybe if we started in the beginning, maybe it would make more sense. Because if you miss the first 30 minutes of the movie, it's probably not going to make, make much sense. Now, obviously, we can't read the whole Bible today. But I'd like to start in the beginning, bounce around in the middle, and obviously end up at the cross. So Genesis, Genesis, this is what I'm going to call step one. Genesis, God's perfect creation and sin. And and, and here's the thing. If we don't understand sin, we're never going to understand why we need a Savior. If we don't understand what sin is, we'll never realize we're in need of a Savior big time. And so, so here's how it starts. We know it. God, the only God, the perfect God, the sovereign God, the ultimate authority, one, only one. He creates all things. He creates the heavens, the earth, the birds in the sky, the fish 
and the sea, the stars and the heavens, everything he creates. And we get to day six, and he creates the animals, he creates the beasts of the field, and then he creates man. And we know with man, something very special takes place. Everything up to this point, he has said, it is good. It is good. And then he gets to man, and, and, and he begins to form man out of the dirt. And God says this in Genesis. He says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Oof. And God, he breathes that breath of life into man. Now, now there's something that I want to point out with that phrase of let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Man was made to be an image bearer of God. Man was made to be an image bearer of God. Now, now I'm not saying that, that man and God were meant to be equal. That was never the way it was supposed to be. But there was something that God placed in man that was after his own very likeness and his image. And so man is created after God. And at this point, everything is good and, and creation is done. Day seven. And then we know what happens. Here comes the serpent. And the serpent, he comes, Satan, and he deceives Eve. He deceives Eve. Now, now this is really interesting, and this is something Sue pointed out, and I was like, whoa, this is cool. There were at least two trees in the garden that had spiritual significance. Two trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God told him, do not eat from. But the tree of life was there as well. And we know that God, he blocked them off after sin entered in from the tree of life. But he never told them, don't eat from the tree of life before this. And so it's interesting that Satan comes and he, and he tempts Eve to take from the tree that the, the only one in the entire garden that God said, don't eat from or you'll surely die. And the tree of life was in the garden, the one that gave eternal life. Now, it's interesting, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. It's just very interesting. And so, so we know how it goes. Eve, she takes the apple, she takes a bite, and in that moment, sin enters in. And we know, we know what happens next is she messes up, and she drags her husband right along with her. <laughs> sort of kidding, sort of not. Eve, Eve, I didn't hear that. Eve, Eve is deceived. The man is also deceived. They're both disobedient to what God has said. They're both disobedient. And we see that sin enters in to God's perfect creation. To man, to woman, the image bearers of God. And see, I love the pointing out that they were image bearers of God because for the first time, something enters into them that was not meant to be there. God did not place sin inside of them. They chose it. They had a choice. They chose to be disobedient. Sin enters into the picture. It was a choice by Adam and Eve. Now, sin, sin is disobedience to God. Sin is disobedience to God, but it's also this idea that there's, it's evil. Right? We see the effects of sin all over. Just think of the first, the first siblings. One killed the other, Cain and Abel. I mean, sin spreads like a plague, and it's horrible. It consumes the heart. It consumes the mind. And it has throughout every human in history. Whereas Romans 3 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one. Sin is missing the mark of perfection. God's holy standard. 
Romans 5 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Every man has sinned. That is step one. Step two. Step two. What does God do? What in the world is God going to do with this sin? Is he just going to destroy his creation, the man and the woman, for messing up? What is his response? And how does his response in Genesis correlate to his response to us today as sinners? In Genesis 3, Genesis 3, verse 8 through 9, this is right after the man and the woman have sinned, and, and they, they clothe themselves with fig leaves. And then it says this, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the good God. He's, he's walking. They're living with him. They hear him coming. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They're terrified. They're ashamed of what they've just done. They're guilty. But the Lord God, oh, it's one of my favorite parts. The Lord God, he called the man and he said to him, where are you? Where are you? Now God's, God, I don't think God couldn't find them. I think he knew exactly where they were. But God, he, he's coming after them. And I love that in the midst of their sin, God comes looking for them. And he says, where are you? Same thing with every single one of us. If you believe in Christ Jesus, he has looked at you in the midst of your sin and said, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? But the reality is that God, he doesn't deal with sin. Well, he deals with it, but he doesn't put up with it. And there is a punishment with sin. And we, like we talked about, it leads to death. But more than that, a spiritual death. There is a spiritual death that takes place with so God's response, his first response is to go looking, but then he actually puts a curse on him. He puts a curse on the serpent, the woman, and the man. And there's, there's something key in the curse between the serpent and the woman. So you can catch the stock shadow, the animals. You will crawl, this is to the serpent, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the woman and the serpent, they're going to hate each other. They're going to be enemies all the days of their life. But then it begins to talk about their offsprings. Now, I'm a little confused on what in the world it could mean by the offspring of Satan. But I do know that that word, it means seed. Seed, so it could be the fruit of serpent. Um, but here's what it says about the offspring of Eve and the serpent. That her offspring, he's going to crush your head, Satan. Meaning he's going to destroy you. He's going to destroy everything, all your works. You, you're done. You're dead by her offspring. And then the second thing is that this, this serpent, he's going to strike the heel. He's going to throw a punch. And it's going to wound the offspring of Eve, but it's not going to kill him, but, but it's going to leave a bruise. It's going to leave a mark. And so, so we see, you see the foreshadow that, that Christ, could he be this offspring who's going to crush the serpent's head? And, and he is going to leave with a mark. He's not going to die, but he will leave with a mark. 
Now, one more, last foreshadow in Genesis, and then we'll, we'll get to some of the prophets. But in Genesis 3, there's, there's one other foreshadow that, that some scholars think is true, and I think this is worth reading. It's first verse 21, write down a little bit. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. This is right after the curse. He, he makes them garments of skins, and he clothes them. Now again, think of Christ. Sacrifice clothes us. He covers us. God in the garden. Something, it seems as if something had to die unless he, maybe he did. Maybe he just, he created skins, but it seems as if he sacrificed something, took the skins, and clothed them all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Could this be, could this possibly be a foreshadow of Christ? Because as we continue in the Old Testament, we see that sacrifice after sacrifice was made, right? That God, he established a law and he, and he made them offer sacrifices to cover sin. Now we understand that this could never truly cover sin once and for all. These were temporary. The system, the sacrificial system, it was, it was temporary in the Old Testament, but it was all pointing to something. Isaiah 7. Sorry, I know we're hitting so many scriptures. Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. I want you to keep in mind that, that offspring, the idea of there's going to be an offspring, the Son of God, an offspring. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself, he'll give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. So there's going to be this virgin, what, and she's going to conceive a son. So now it's getting more specific, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. Us And we know how the story goes. Jesus arrives. Jesus arrives on the scene and he's born into a manger. And, 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 and here he is, the son, born through a virgin. Isaiah 7, fulfilled. The offspring of Eve, here he comes. That's why there's the genealogy in Matthew 1. But here he comes. And, and as John, in John chapter 1, as he says it, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus walking towards him. And as he sees Jesus, he declares this. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, here he is. Here is the Lamb of God. All those other sacrifices, those were put up by humans. But here is the sacrifice. Here is the Lamb that God himself has put forward to deal with sin once and for all. And once this sacrifice is made, there will be no more need for sacrifices. So Jesus, he comes, he lives this holy, spotless, perfect life on earth without sin. He who knew no sin, he becomes sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God. In Christ, he comes, he lays down his own very life, that whoever would believe in him, they wouldn't perish, they wouldn't die, but they would have eternal life through his sacrifice on the cross that came to deal with sin. 
Romans 5, as it said earlier in, in Romans 5, it talked about how the one man's sin led to death for all, and all have sinned. Continuing on from there in Romans 5, verse 15, it says, But the free gift, it's not like the trespass. This free gift, oh, it's so different. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. See, it's a free gift. It's a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's all through grace. It was by grace that you have been saved. You didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. This is all Jesus is doing for you on the cross. And it says in verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many brought justification. You've been justified. You've been justified. You're, not, you're no longer guilty of your charges. You've been justified. You've been called just. But you didn't deserve it. It was his grace that rescued you. And so step three, step three. We've talked about God, his creation and sin and his response to our sin. But now we need to talk about our response to his grace. Our response to God's promise, his faithfulness. He's been faithful to his promise all the way from Genesis to Isaiah to the New Testament. And he's going to continue to be faithful to us. I believe it's, a, it's like a two-sided coin. Responding to the gospel. There's two steps that I believe are important. Number one, belief. Belief. It's that simple. Romans 10 talks about it. Of, of, of confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believing that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Believe in the gospel. If you believe, you'll be saved. But the second thing, God doesn't want you to stay the same. See, he rescued you from your own sin. And Chris, you can come on up. He rescued you from your sin, and he rescued you from hell. And he doesn't want you to stay the same. And so the second, the second part of this is repent. Repent. Turn from those old ways of living. Begin to live a life for Jesus. How could you not? How could you not? If you're truly born again, how could you not live for him now. Man. The gift of God, eternal life, is so much better than our sin. <laughs> it's so much better than our sin. But you have a choice. You have a choice. And that's something that, that I remember Kevin Comfort was talking about this in our small groups this week. And I thought, that is so good. And I thought, man, Adam and Eve had a choice in the very beginning. And you have a choice. You can choose to believe it, or you can choose not to. That's on you. I want to tell a quick story and read one last verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. When, what I would say is when I, when I began to follow Jesus, I was 19, and maybe I was saved before then. I don't know. I believed as a kid. Definitely didn't live like it. But when I was about 19, something began to happen in here. I would say 
that the power of God through the gospel was at work in me, transforming the way I lived, transforming the way I thought. And I didn't know how to explain it. I was like, my friends were like, why are you living different? It's like, dude, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, that was about it. I was like, it's him. He's doing it. And there was this verse that I could relate to, and it made so much sense to me. It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. It's foolish. It's foolish talk. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God at work inside of you. He's doing something. It's the gospel being lived out, transforming everything in you. It's it's removing that sin. It's that cleansing that is taking place. Though your sins were like scarlet, you're being made white as snow. And if that's the reality, then things should be changing in your life. I want to go ahead and take communion during this time and you want to stand, you can. If you want to remain seated, feel free to as well. What I want to do, and I said this at the beginning, is this is this may be the first time you've heard this message. If it is, believe in Jesus this morning and come find me after service. Come, you could probably talk to your neighbor. They're probably saved. Most of the people in here go to church on a weekly basis. They know the Lord. You could talk to your neighbor about it. Um, but what I want, like I said in the very beginning. I want want us to have thankful hearts and a deeper love for him, for what he's done for us, how he has rescued us, how he's always been faithful to his promise. And Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And this is the thing that we should be most thankful for, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross to redeem us from our sins. And so I want you to just take a moment. You You don't have to take communion with me this morning, but take a minute and you thank him on your own for what he's done for you. And then take the communion. Uh, And then Chris is going to lead us back into one song for a couple minutes. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Check us out on social media. Or to learn more, you can visit freedomcanyon.com.